much you were not interested in doing this, and then you actually commented on yourself saying, wow, I sound like a really... Um, I am remembering now why I didn't want to go to this. I can try. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode four of the Autopod Decepticast, where we break down the 1986 Transformers movie minute by minute. This is minute three to four. Uh, basically, this is the credit sequence. Mm -hmm. Lion, rockin' hard. Yeah, <laughs> out. Having just listened to that theme, uh, the previous episode, we talked a little bit about my disdain for... <laughs> That style of music, Middle, but that was hard really metal. well produced. Yeah, no, honestly, I mean, for what it times, is, I'm, it's pretty tight. I'm pumped. Yeah, I mean, I they did a great job, and you know, I think maybe just for nostalgia purposes, I think I like the credit sequences as they appear in the episodes better. I like that whole sure, right. But I mean, that but that was badass. Yeah, there's no doubt about and, uh, it. The, yeah, and all the okay. So that flying through the O actually, and this doesn't make much sense, but reminds me of the old HBO intro. Do you guys remember when you'd fly through mm. the HBO like mm. things? Very good. Oh, Thank you. that was great, guys. Um, so yeah, so we're, we uh, zoom in on the Transformers logo, and then they do the reveal of the movie, right? And then you fly through the O. Much like you would fly in the Unicron's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> would, Much like the planet yeah. of uh, Lethone yes. or Lithone. So you're flying into the O. Lithone. I will say that the sequence, the animated sequence, when you once you fly into that O and there's all those colors that you're zooming through, mm -hmm. uh, very impressive animation, mm -hmm. almost a direct ripoff of a sequence in 2001 Space Odyssey. I'm sure that was oh. the inspiration. Yeah. 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 Had to be. The most boring movie ever made. No, that uh. is a... I've really? never seen it. You've never <laughs> seen it? Yeah, don't. Well, next I was like, yeah, I think you're right. But I've never seen it's it. It's the same kind of like Star Trek, the first Star Trek movie thing, where it's like, oh, we're developing all these new techniques. Let's, it's just, it's it's spaceship porn. It's just all ships, it's all the time. Years between dialogue. Okay. It's cripplingly so, boring. Well, let's talk about, let's talk about 2001 Space Odyssey <laughs> on the Transformers podcast here a little bit more. To me, I, my, when we went through the O, I, in my head, went a little, uh, <laughs> Sorry. like Vegas, vi the, like that uh, light show, the Viva Vision light show in old Vegas at the Strip. Oh, Fremont Street. Fremont Street. Fremont Street, yeah. Does anybody know, did anybody do the research or just know? Was that computer animated or hand animated? No. No, much as we probably should have done our homework on that. I did not look that up. No. We suck. That's for follow-up. I'm going to say his I will say it's not animated. computer animated. I will you say... Don't think so? I, no. I will it's say... The credits coming onto the screen computer. certainly was done with computer... Like a video toaster, know. maybe. <laughs> the mid-toast. But mm, I will say... That, anybody remember that? Okay, so... 
we need to figure out what kind of animation that is. So. All right, well, we can dive into that. So, okay. <laughs> or, not, or never talk about yeah, we that. We are. We are. Gives a shit. I'm writing down follow-up O animation. I'm writing which down. Which is a ripoff of 2001 Space Odyssey. Uh, I'm writing down talk more shit about 2001. Yeah. Uh, Eric Idle got top billing. Yes. So weird. He's yep. barely in the movie. As we know, and the listeners surely know, hopefully that's not a spoiler. As? Uh, as Rekgar. Rekgar. Uh, it says on screen. You talk some TV? I talk some TV. So that, that was interesting. I mean, I guess, I mean, I'm looking at this. Judd Nelson at the time was probably more famous than Eric Idle. In fact, to the to the kids. I mean, Orson, I'm surprised. Why didn't they give mm. Orson Welles top bill? I know. That's also, it's his last movie, and he did not care for this movie. <laughs> like, his, the interviews of him, like, he says things like, you know what? I'll just look it up. But I was going to ask you guys: um, Did you know who these people were when you saw this movie no. as a kid? I think, uh, yeah, at the time I probably knew John Machida was the, the Micro Machines guy. guy. Yeah. Um, That's no, I and I and I probably I probably recognized Robert Stack from Unsolved Mysteries, mm-hmm. and of course, most mm-hmm. of older America boomers would recognize him as Elliot Ness, but. Um, so back to Eric Idle, I do have a quote here from Eric Idle, uh, in reference to this movie. He said, Transformers, the movie was a fabulous gig where they flew me on the Concord to New York for a day's tape recording and then flew me back. It was a horrible, it was horrible whilst I was there in the recording because I didn't understand a word of what was going on. Lines like itching, a goggle, gubbuga, and they'd say, no, 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 the emphasis is on itching. And I'd be like, what the hell are they talking about? Laughs. Uh, he's never seen the movie. He says he makes a practice of not watching himself because he knows he'd be disappointed. So a paycheck for him, but a pleasant quote nonetheless. Nice that he didn't just shit, shit on, on it, it. Like, like, like others. To. Like other. Like others. I didn't discover Eric Idle as a uh, you know as a performer until I was in high school, probably my freshman year of high school. Is Getting when into Monty Python when I discovered Monty Python, oh, yeah. and then just. You know, of course, I was still a fan of the movie, even though I was years older. But uh, you know, you, you connect the dots later. Obviously, I I don't know. Oh, this is the thing about anytime I try to remember something from my childhood, I can never remember anything. <laughs> Everything seems to be like I was ten years old. But I don't. So I don't remember if I'm misremembering that I knew all these guys or I, I didn't care. I feel like I did. Yeah, I didn't. Especially, I, I just wanted to see the action. And I think maybe I knew. I mean, obviously, I knew Leonard Nimoy because of Star Trek. I mean, I love Star Trek. Yeah. Um, and then I knew uh, I knew Judd Nelson because The Breakfast Club was on like every other day on TV. Well, so let's get into that. Why did he not get top billing? Yeah, I mean, he's he was the like lead. the hot star. Well, that and he's also the, the lead of the movie. Well, you're asking. And that he's qu- the lead of the movie. You're asking course. that question, but unfortunately, I don't think that we can provide a. Oh, I was uh, I was uh, you know speculation is fun conversation. I know that I know that Judd Nelson and Eric Idle have a strange connection. Um, so Judd Nelson was <laughs> Judd Nelson. How do you know? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> all right. So is, I'm sure all of our listeners are familiar with the uh, the television show Suddenly Susan with Brooke oh, Shields. Oh yeah, 100. percent Everybody yeah. remembers that. <laughs> well, her boss was Judd Nelson. Mm-hmm. When he left the show, guess who they replaced him with? Eric Idle. Eric Idle! That's good what? trivia. What the what? Good trivia. What? Uh, <laughs> he so 
He also, another interesting tidbit, is that he, so there's been several television continuities, among them Transformers Animated, which is one that I haven't watched yet and I would love to because I feel like it's certainly in the spirit of and an homage to the original series and has, and I just like the style of the design of the characters they did, but Hot Rod is a character on that and Judd Nelson voiced Hot Rod huh. for that show. Oh, so he did come in for the, for the series. Uh, yeah, for the the, tra- the the series called Transformers Animated, not, not for G1. the Transformers. Yeah, a different guy did Rodimus. That guy Which, actually uh, just passed away. RIP. He bought it. He's, but uh, so Judd Nelson had been knocked down a peg, so he was. Willing he's to- like, I need some money. <laughs> um, that is one thing I will- now Judd Nelson's not yeah, coming on the so program. Much, so Mr. Nelson, thank right. you very much, much for ruining that. Uh, did you know that uh, the character of Nelson Muntz on The Simpsons was named Nelson as he was inspired in an homage to uh, the, character. Uh, the character John Bender in The Breakfast Club? I oh. did not know that, but that makes sense now with the, with with the, the ripped je- off. Yeah, yeah with but the jean jacket, jacket is. Wow. Interesting. You mm. have blown my mind. <laughs> Trivia King! Uh, anything else on Judd Nelson you'd like to cover? I would just quickly say that, you know, we were making fun of him uh, earlier, but you guys should consider watching a movie called The Black Hole mm-hmm. that he made in 2006. Uh, it takes place in St. Louis, which is where <laughs> I used to live. The premise being that uh, he runs a particle accelerator facility in St. Louis and triggers a black hole, and uh, a creature <laughs> exits the hole and seeks out energy and as it absorbs energy, the black hole grows in size and destroys a large part of St. Louis. Oh. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, I was making fun of him, but I really do like Judd Nelson. You should watch this movie. The uh, He is a friend of the community. He does attend conventions. I have a... There are... You can see him speak at uh, some of the conventions. Bot-con. So he Yeah, at the BotCons and the TFCons Impressive and nostrils. So, uh, very impressive. I mean, I'm a fan of his nostrils. I have very similar nostrils, so... Uh, <laughs> you know. Nostrils you could sell um, advertising in. Uh, also, the movie New Jack City, one of my favorites uh, that he's in. That's kind of like a rough and rugged uh, Judd Nelson. He's partnered with Ice-T to bring down Nino Brown. Yeah, he calls him a biscuit head. <laughs> <laughs> Ice T calls Judd Nelson a biscuit head. A biscuit head. It's been That's a awesome. terrible. Yeah, he gets paired, yeah, right. paired with him. Goes, what do I? You know, like something like, oh, hey, you know, what do I got? What do I got to be, be paired with this biscuit head? I don't like this. I don't like this guy. I don't like this Judd Nelson. Uh, biscuit head. He's just saying he's not even on script. <laughs> this is a pretty good Ice T impression. Uh, the longer Which is I weird do, because the worse his it gets. character in the Black Hole movie is Professor Biscuit Head. <laughs> Are you serious? Oh, 100%. Oh, okay. You, you delivered it so straight. I was like, all right, I'm the fool. Okay. So, uh, so after Judd Nelson, the next uh, the next big name that comes on the screen. By the way, hang on. We never introduced ourselves. <laughs> if you're just jumping into episode four, I don't know why you do that, but. I'm Aaron. I'm Ryan. I'm Biscuithead. <laughs> so, the next name up on the screen is Leonard Nimoy. Um, yeah, I thought that was, that was, I think, the main one that I knew whenever this movie came out, that um, uh, Leonard Nimoy, I was like, oh, wow, he's famous. Like, it, I was impressed by that, uh, him being Galvatron. I think he does a pretty good Galvatron. I liked him. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, some well, notes, like, uh, he's actually uh, an inspiration in the Transformers community before his involvement in it, because the character of Shockwave... Uh, was inspired by 
Uh, Spock, the writer, Bob, Bud- I'm never going to, I can't, just can't do names. Bob Budiansky, uh, who, yeah, know, Bob Budiansky, did the, did I the did. early Marvel comics. You're not even going to let me do it. All <laughs> no. right. Well, <laughs> we'll try not to. Speak. No. Uh, <laughs> anyway, he, he stated, he's on the record as saying that Shockwave was his attempt to take Spock and turn him into a that Decepticon. That makes sense. Yeah, I can see that. Totally. Yeah. Shockwave is one of my favorite characters. Oh, Shockwave even has like Vulcan ears. Oh. <laughs> and one eye? Wait. Well, I'm... to be fair, that that toy's over on the other shelf. Oh. That toy existed way before the personality did. But, oh, that's uh, true. It was a ripoff, wasn't it? But uh, Shockwave existed before. No, I mean the, the toys the existed before they had any personality. Like Shockwave, the toy probably oh. existed two years before he was given a. I see. So they didn't uh, profile. Oh. In the in the uh, the, the fans will correct us. He was either Diaclone or I don't know what the other. I can't remember the other. So you're saying the design, the years existed before they had an association with with Spock. One of the one of the good. But I like the connection anyway. One of the good early toys. Like a lot of the early toys are terrible. Shockwave's my favorite. Yeah, he was great. Optimus Prime and Iron. Optimus Prime, Ironhide in particular. I feel sorry for Shockwave because in the animated series, like. All right, he's like, goodbye, Megatron, and they fly to Earth, and millions of years go by, (laughs) and then Megatron checks in with uh, 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 Cybertron, and Shockwave's still standing there at the computer, like, (laughs) he hasn't moved. Hello again, Megatron. I would have loved it if there were just cobwebs all over him. Oh, it's like, oh my God, like he was just hanging out, ready to receive a response back for millions. I would have like moved on. That was that's shockwave. And this this is gonna be a little digression, but that it was something that's interesting. We were talking about like the you said you know the steampunk transformers. Mm-hmm. What was mm-hmm. that? Uh, Hearts of fire. Hearts of steel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hearts of Fire doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a romantic comedy. Um, but uh, the uh, the Beast Wars series, which actually is far, I think, uh, as far as the writing, is far superior to the G one series. Like it's uh, not hard to do. Yeah, it's not good. Um, but uh, the, it's interesting because in season two they bring they they tie that in because the Beast Wars they crash or they they crash on Earth um, after the original Transformers crashed on Earth and uh, so but it's before humans have evolved still so and then eventually they do find spoilers they do find the original G one Transformers in um, in one of the season two episodes and it was just um, I just found it interesting because they're ancestors of the Transformers, but right. land anyway. That's I, yeah, I found I, I love it. So they evolved, but that's weird because that literally means Shockwave still existed but wasn't evolved. The beast like, where have all the beast transformers gone? It's an excellent there, there was an, there was an Optimus Prime beast and a Megatron beast and I was working with them the other day, and now they're gone too. Where have so, they gone? I'm so alone. I wonder if there's any chance they're in the same place as the other Transformers. <laughs> Seems coincidental. That, that disappeared millions of years ago. I don't remember what Soundwave sounds like. Or Shockwave. <laughs> I feel like he's vaguely British. This is our only opportunity to really talk to him because he doesn't have a starring uh, role. In the movie. He's in one scene. <laughs> he's in one scene in the movie. And technically, too, uh, I never noticed before, and I should probably save it for the next minute because I think it's in the next minute. Uh, but there's a part where you know, the part where they're like, 
I'll just save it for the next minute. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'll just go. Just summarize real <laughs> yeah, quick. just do it. There's the part, the very beginning where Ironhide's looking at all these monitors, and there's a couple oh, yeah. of screens, and there's one screen of Shockwave just standing in, in a, a window. Waiting. <laughs> and then waiting. He's, just, he's always, he's he's always just, having waiting. Every time I look into a monitor, Prime. My circuit says. Uh, Litter Nimoy. Uh,. So here's a couple more interesting factoids. So but he was Galvatron in this movie. Mm-hmm. He uh, was in one of the Michael Bay Transformers movies okay. as, as a, a character called Sentinel Prime, who doesn't really hmm. play out much in the G1 world, but in modern day Transformers storytelling, he is a significant character. But uh, but he voiced that character. And uh, Leonard Nimoy, uh, or I'm sorry, Michael Bay rather, is Leonard Nimoy's wife's first cousin so um michael bay wanted him to participate from the very beginning but was apparently afraid to call him and ask him to participate i don't know i think there may be budgetary concerns or something but here's the deal leonard nimoy is a consummate professional and he is uh or was i'm sorry uh so he's known for at least in terms of this recording process people talk about how before he would come out to record he would do vocal scales in the bathroom for 20 minutes before coming out to the booth and kicking it off wow which is something i would like to hear recorded leonard nimoy's vocal scales i mean he has he has released musical albums Mm -hmm, mm-hmm mm-hmm He's got he has a great a, voice. He has an old music video. Him and yeah. anybody who's even mildly interested in Leonard Nimoy, watch, and it's all up on YouTube, and no one is interested in taking it down, uh, In Search Of, which is a... I never did watch Did that. you not watch it? It's, mm-hmm. It was hosted by Leonard Nimoy, and it was a 70s, early 80s series about uh, just weird stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And it was like they did Bigfoot, they did UFOs, and it is like... Uh, for me, I'm 40 years old, and so it's a huge amount of nostalgia. It's all bullshit. None of it's real. I mean, we've all, like, it's a lot of it's been debunked now, but it's like, just watching the episodes <laughs> are amazing. It's, it, anyway, I can't do a Leonard Nimoy impression, so that's why I'm not going into that. Sure. Right well, I was, I was like, I did some research into where, like, where did this participation in this movie fit in with his filming of the different Star Trek movies, and mm-hmm. they, they came out with The Voyage Home in, like, 86 as well. So. Is that the fourth one? Uh, yes, it is. That's a good um, one. The yeah. whales. The whales. Yeah. So he was having a, you know, he was having a good year. That was a real popular one. <laughs> Couple of paychecks. I, well, yeah, that's the thing with like Eric <laughs> I Idle, mean, though. There's I really, he's... and I think that's why a lot of these actors are so eager to do a lot of these animated movies, especially now with like Pixar sure. and stuff. It's, it's they don't have it's easy money. Sure. Well, this was among the, the first are awesome. animated movies to actually bring some branded and talent, talent to the, I actually to did the screen. a lot of research on that uh, when celebrity voices started being in movies and it's kind of been forever because like Charlotte's Web had Debbie Reynolds and a couple other people uh, The Rescuers had Bob Newhart yep um, and uh, so it, it's kind of but this one we're getting into the, the the time of like when this started happening heavily and like um, it really exploded completely with uh, Aladdin with Robert Williams, yeah. I mean, because mm-hmm. and it kind of at the time it was novel and neat, but it's 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 devolved to the point where it's uh, like because it was definitely Robin Williams as a genie. Not he's not doing a character. A lot of winking at the no, camera. No, it's obviously right. Robin Williams. Yeah, and so that's what it's been. It's devolved to like uh, uh, to the point where like um, the characters in the movie resemble the right. celebrity, like uh, Jerry Seinfeld in a Bee's Life. It's they're writing, the yeah, yeah. They're writing the person. They're writing the character. 
in a sense, where their personality is actually letting the actor develop the character. Yeah, when you've got people like that who are so talented, I mean, to be fair, and these all these actors did a great job yes, with their I think roles. They, I think but they did. anybody could have been these characters, yes. and that's proven which, out by the fact that anybody was when the budget was dropped and they had to continue the characters the on in television. With the exception of John Mashita, he and, 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 honestly it proves your point. Like. His talent is so specific yep. that, I talk uh, real fast. and and also his brand is not as was not at the time and well, as premium this, as some of these other people. Yeah, this was, so this so he big. could afford to do the television show. That was a good steady gig yeah. for him. And yeah, and it's like so it's purely a cash grab. It's going to put butts in seats to have celebrities attached to it. Which I mean, and sometimes it's fine. Like some they they're fine, but you, there's no way that any mainstream actor is better at voice work than someone who just does voice work. So it's like I feel bad. It's taking jobs away from vocal actors, you know. Yeah. So the next name, uh, who'd have thought? We're at the oh, thirty-two I'm, minute I'm, mark. Who, oh, go ahead. Uh, I just wanted to real quick. I mean, I guess I could have done this after. But uh, specifically, whenever I looked up which voices started being part of movies, they all the articles I looked up mentioned Frank Welker and Peter Cullen, um, specifically. And like Frank Welker, I mean, he if you look. Look up, go to YouTube and look up the many faces of Frank Welker. Hey, he does eighty plus characters in like eleven minutes. It's amazing, like the the vo- number of voices this guy has done. His like uh, IMDb is huge. But here are the Transformers that Frank Welker does. He does Megatron, Galvatron, Skywarp, Soundwave, Mixmaster, Laserbeak, Buzzsaw, Rumble, Frenzy, Ravage, Rapat. Uh, he does Mirage, Trailblazer, Sludge, Wheelie in the movie, and I assume he does it in the cartoons as well. Um, Chrome Dome and uh, Pinpointer. That's. So, yeah. and he's, I mean, he's, he's the guy, amazing. he does Fred on Scooby-Doo, he did Jabberjaw, uh, Garfield, Ray and the Real Ghostbusters, Dr. Claw, Kermit and Muppet Babies, he's all over the place. So, it's like, let's get Mel Blanc. Mel Blanc's not available. Okay, Peter Weller. <laughs> Frank, Frank Weller. Oh, who's whoever, Peter Weller? He's the guy that takes out my trash. Uh, yeah, he's definitely a god among oh, yeah. the fan community. Uh, him showing up at a con yeah. is uh, and once again. I'm ins- big I've insulted. I've insulted <laughs> nah. him as well. Like, well that's like, pretty I, big. I just get. called him a broke dick, Mel Blanc. <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> and he's also I didn't even get his first name right. <laughs> It must be so no, annoying. Jack, tell Jack when Walker get, to come in here. When, 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 when we get famous and start doing panels, these people are going to hate my ass. Or <laughs> they'll love you. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, and he seems very willing. It must be, if you're a very well-known voice actor, so annoying for people to be like, do it. Do, do Megatron. Do the, do the Megatron voice. Okay, I would be, I'd give him a, a random, like, do, hey, do. Do wheelie. Do wheelie. No, I... <laughs> Hey, come on, give me some laser beak. So, interestingly enough, I mean, as important as Frank Welker is to the Transformers animated franchise, uh, he's not any billing in this uh, credit sequence whatsoever. You don't see his name until the end of the movie. Or Peter Cullen, for that matter. But uh, uh, next on the list is a big one, though I don't have many notes on him, Robert Stack. Yeah. Uh, Unsolved Mysteries. Unsolved Mysteries, certainly that's what I knew him for. His voice is so creepy, but he's also seemed warm and... Uh, Avuncular. Right? Yeah, it's it's like uh, your neighborhood... Uh, he's like an investigator. It's like... Uh, <laughs> Elliot Ness? God, also he wore a trench coat. Maybe he was a creep. <laughs> Are you saying He's that? like a private... It's like a touchy-touchy. He wasn't wearing clothes like, on the <laughs> Maybe just uh, be hey, like and cut. I've got an unsolved like, mystery for you. Yeah. Uh, the mystery is how long you're gonna touch my dick. <laughs> yeah, we're cutting <laughs> <we're> cut <laughs> that out. Uh, are we? Are we? Uh, 
Mr. Stack, I mean, we love the, your energy. We love your voice. Um, you gotta stop touching kids. Uh, <laughs> and the I legacy refuse. of Robert Stack is, uh, is has now been sullied completely. Is he dead? I think he's dead. <laughs> okay, good. I'm positive he's is good. <laughs> good. Oh uh, my goodness. So I do have uh, some information about Robert Stack in relation to the movie, mm-hmm. uh, in that uh, he reportedly enjoyed the role. Mm-hmm. And this was the first time he'd... Uh, this is pre-Unsolved Mysteries that he did this movie. So uh, he hadn't done any voiceover work at the time. He's and, great. Like, he uh, really is good. And and he was very self-conscious about it. He, mm-hmm. I mean, you had some of like the, the Welkers and the... Uh, People in the room that were kind of encouraging him and being like, "No, you're doing great." The direct, like the director, of course, is awestruck to have this icon of, of uh, the screen in front of him, and 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 he's was kind of a you know a mess about it, but you know he hmm. figured it out. He did a great job. He, I, he, I think he really defined the role of Ultra Magnus, yeah, which I mean, is kind of crushed. this reluctant leader, and, and you know he did great. Like yeah, in the scripts, <laughs> Ultra Magnus is described as um, you know a. a Stoic, like soldier, uh, kind of guy, and I think like what Robert Stack brought to the role, it's perfect, like for what the description was supposed to be. And some of the re- like for a non-vocal actor, some of the best readings I think in the movie. But surely he didn't do the show, right? No, he didn't. It's a different guy, and that guy did a great job mm-hmm. as well. Honestly, uh, I need to go back and watch him. It's been a while, but the se- I am one of those people that loves season three almost more than the first two seasons just because it's so weird yeah <laughs> and uh and uh there's a dynamic between uh i'm totally uh going on a tangent but uh between rodimus prime and and uh ultra magnus that's very like ultra magnus kind of is the leader even in the show rodimus prime isn't like just immediately this stoic yeah. respectable leader like he's fucking up all over the place and being a sarcastic he's kind of a sarcastic asshole he's not great and ultra magnus <laughs> is like well, rodimus like, maybe you should do this and rodimus prime rodimus the leader prime, is yeah. like well all right rodimus prime is the donald trump of a lot of leaders <laughs> he might be uh, he's tweeting shit all the time. <laughs> I do like in one of the episodes that is my favorite, and I think it's the Rage Virus one, where he is talking to a statue of Optimus Prime, right. uh, doubting himself, saying, right. like, I don't know, would you have handled it like this, Optimus? I don't know if I'm the leader that uh, you would have been, obviously. You're right, I'm coming back. Yeah, <laughs> I need take to take this back matrix. over, yes. because you are terrible at your job. <laughs> Any other notes on Robert Stack? Because we're, we're about to get on to maybe our, my personal favorite. Uh, maybe mine too. <laughs> this was a big one. Uh, no, well, wrong, not for anybody else. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're not at Orson Welles, oh. we're at Lionel, Lionel Stander. Uh, Lionel. Actually, I learned more about him doing the research for this than I ever knew. Awesome. Uh, outside of this. But, uh, but uh, he was a famous, uh, he was film and radio guy. Um, he was a contract player for Columbia as early as 1935. He was a strong liberal, pro-labor activist, founding member of the Screen Actors Guild. Oh. Uh, he was, you know, he was tied into the um, whole uh, House Un-American Activities Committee. B- b- many believed he was a communist. Uh, and uh, some kind so, of pinko. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so his film work eventually tapered off, but then he really uh, blew up. Uh, when he uh, made a career comeback through the show Heart to Heart as the character Max. So that's all stuff I didn't know because I didn't watch any of those shows or I wasn't around then, so that doesn't have much context for me. But uh, 
But we have, <laughs> the main context for me is this movie, and then his strange cameo <laughs> cameo on one of my favorite shows, Moonlighting. Blue Moon Detective Agency. And that's, that was the line. That's, <laughs> that's all he said. That's it. I think that he, that he walked out and cashed his check. Uh, yeah, so that is weird that, like, the, I mean, I loved Moonlighting as well, um, uh, but the... I definitely knew him from the... His voice is very distinctive, so I knew him from the movie. I didn't know his name until seeing that Moonlighting and looking it up. But uh, (laughs) I don't know why it captures my imagination so much for Lionel Stander, but he's my favorite. I remember watching Moonlighting, seeing that scene where he comes in and is like, Blue Moon Detective Agency, and I was like, where do I know that voice? Where do I know that voice? I watched the credits... I saw Lionel Stander, and then my brain connected to Transformers the movie, this credit sequence, Mm -hmm. and I was like, okay. He's cop. He's cop. Okay. Anything else on Lionel Stander? I mean, uh, no. Can can we sum up the career of a a guy that's had that much uh, play in the world? And we know him for two things. (laughs) Mr. Stander, we respect you. Come on the show. He's he's, resting in peace. He must have passed. Uh, gosh, a very large percentage of these people have passed, actually, as we get through it. Well, Lionel Stander, made... Orson Welles, Robert Stack, Leonard Nimoy. Eric Idle's next, guys. It was made 30 years ago. Judd um, John... Nelson's had one foot in the grave for a while. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Orson Welles, guys. That's the That was the biggest, the uh, arguably hitter. the biggest name yeah. uh, in the movie. Uh, as Unicron. Uh, what do you know about this? Well, he had an amazing career. Yeah. Uh, Did he? I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. <laughs> Spin a dick. Uh, known for one of the best movies ever made. And, I mean, can we agree to just take it off the top ten list because it's always number one? Yeah. So, but yeah, Citizen Kane, obviously. Uh, however, by this point, uh, he had been trying to self-finance his own movies for the past like 20 years. He was uh, an, an eccentric person, to say the very least, and... Uh, basically, by the 70s and 80s, he was self-financing. He actually got um, some financial backing from Iran for a movie. What? That he, for the same movie. He was trying to film a movie, uh, and I wish I remember the name, but in the, from like 1971 to 76, he was working on a movie where he was basically driving around without the consent of the unions and filming a movie essentially out, out, of, out of the backseat of a car. <laughs> And uh, he didn't give a the shit. movie getting, was called getting Back funding seat. from Iran that fell through when the Shah was deposed. Uh, he was reduced to doing Carlo Rossi commercials and Is talk that, shows. And Carlo Rossi's a real cheap ass wine. Oh. Um, and now we're not going to get that Rossi sponsorship. Oh, <laughs> shit. You're really dumping all of our. But, but that, that, so much to say, he's, he's got a fascinating life. Uh, me included should try to read his biography. Yeah. Everyone should Magnificent read. Ambersons, I think, was another one of his yeah, that was he, very popular. Um, um, it was a was, real peak. Oh, he did War of the Worlds, obviously. Yeah, he was a genius. He yes. Was a genius, genius, genius. But with uh, but uh, just as a lot of these uh, geniuses, uh, things kind of got weird later on in his life, uh, misunderstood, and. He didn't play by the rules of mm-hmm. Hollywood, and there was consequences to that. Being an independent filmmaker back then was uh, very, very difficult, yeah. unless you want to make B-movies like Roger Corman. So by by this point, uh, Transformers is known for being, the, I think, the last yes, thing he ever did. Yes, it was the last did. thing he did before he died, there was As a, in addition to um, uh, J- Scatman Carruthers. Yeah, uh, Scatman Carruthers was in Transformers? He was jazz. He was on the show, yeah. 
far out. Was it the last no thing Decepticon you did shenanigans in your area? Uh, it feels weird. <laughs> it feels yeah, real yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, Orson Welles. So Orson Welles, uh, this was this was his uh, this was the exclamation point on the end of a very amazing yeah. life. It really um, went from high and just yeah. steadily down. Um, he had a um, heart attack and died uh, before the movie came out. He wow. died in '85. Uh, I should have checked to see how, how old long... he was. Oh, well, he was seventy years old. Okay. Um, I would. I. I should check to see how soon he died after recording this. It was in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Well, Wells. Uh, oh no! <laughs> Roll Mr. him Wells. out the door. Roll him out. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, he's probably. I mean. Uh, as far as history is concerned, he's probably the biggest person. As far as impact, and, well, I mean, yeah, I would more, say. I was, and, yeah, and so uh, it's interesting that uh, he was very interesting. He was in this movie. If you, I recommend people study his life because I mean, it's fascinating. He and, was a and cripplingly sad. Yeah, he was a pioneer in movie making special effects, and I think that probably without him, who knows what uh, even like this movie? If who knows what Hollywood would be without Orson Welles? Yeah. Uh, so that's. Uh, that's Orson Welles. You were talking about Moonlighting. He actually, his last television appearance was on Moonlighting. He was on Moonlighting? Yes, his last that. television appearance was on Moonlighting. As a big fat? Oh, but <laughs> I don't think you could rap that. I don't think you could, you could get him, you know, rapping the... What? Spanx? <laughs> what? What are we talking about? Uh, it's a, like uh, like to give him a, what, that's not a cummerbund, but like to kind of make him look skinnier than he really is. Yeah, oh, a girdle. Yes. Oh, he did That's it. what Spanks are. Okay, okay here, okay. check this out, guys. We're watching the moonlighting appearance of Orson Welles, oh. which is on YouTube. Good evening. I'm Orson Welles. Tonight, broadcasting takes a giant leap backward. In this age of living color and stereophonic sound, the television show Moonlighting is daring to be different and share with you a monochromatic, monophonic hour of entertainment. Approximately 12 minutes into this evening's episode, the picture on your television screen will change to black and white. Nothing is wrong with your set. I repeat, nothing is wrong with your set. Tonight's episode is an experiment. One we hope you'll enjoy, so gather the kids, the dog, grandma, and lock them in another room. And sit back and enjoy this very special episode of Moonlighting. Uh, yeah, man, you know what? He 100% just came in, sat down, did that in one take, and he's like, I'm out. He's so obviously reading off cue cards. So, uh... It's reported that Orson Welles told the director of Transformers the movie, Nelson Shin, uh, I will give you three takes of every line. You won't direct me, and we'll move on. Holy shit, what an asshole. <laughs> well, that's... I mean... But, I mean, he's put in his time. He has. He's, he's, paid, his in, he's paid his dues. I guess that's time. true. He is a good actor and director, so why would he And take? a great voice. And I, yeah. think, I think... Excellent point. You would say that at this point, 
they knew what they were getting into when they <laughs> sure. asked him. Probably, but, yeah. yeah. that's true. Why would you direct Orson Welles? It's like, you know, uh, he's been in the business for so long and kind of defined... It, it, by definition, made the greatest movie ever made. So, I, I mean, saying it like that is being a dick, but also like, yeah. Uh, so, uh, Orson, here's the deal. You're a big planet. Uh, could you just be as strong and... Just, I'm a- I'm going. I'm going to read this label that I found in my pocket, and you. Well, there's have, a script. No, no. I've set it on fire, and I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm leaving for the day. I have to go eat seven chickens. He so used, there, apparently, there was a restaurant in Hollywood where he would sit and just, just <laughs> eat all of the food. Eat all of the food. <laughs> oh Bring me one of everything. I have to do some bullshit called moonlighting later, and I'm. Famished. I wonder if you ever wondered if. He wished that they could just bring the recording equipment into the restaurant. Oh my god, that would have been just hear him chewing in between. So so, so maybe that's Oh that's maybe the that's chomp! That's, that's, that's the, the chomp! When Unicron chomps <laughs> it. He was eating a chicken and they just captured it. Uh so we all know that this was his final big screen role. Um, another quote of his is that uh, he said he's quoted as saying, I play a planet. I menace somebody called. You know what? I'm this sorry. Was it, this was it. This was the Because I'm going to try and do it in my best Orson Welles <clears throat> voice. Okay. An actor uh, prepares. Uh, uh, I need to do my vocal scales. Uh, Red he, leather, yellow leather. Red leather, yellow. So another quote of Orson Welles is that uh, he essentially said, "I play a planet. Yeah. I menace somebody called something or other. Then I'm destroyed." That was the quote I was trying to find earlier, so I just should have waited. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're right. That was uh, good. I couldn't... Uh, uh, so he died... Oh, actually, to answer your question earlier, Caleb, he died just five days after Holy completing his shit. vocal session. <laughs> that is... I don't know... That's, five days. His that's voice... Uh, and and honestly, I mean, it's hard to tell it's him in the movie. Mm, I mean, if so you know, if you know, you can make you can connect the dots. But uh, his performance wow. was very heavily synthesized sure. because uh, because he was having very uh, difficult breathing. Because well, he, he was having issues. heart attacks. He was still, well, he was uh, trying to recover from that moonlighting monologue. Oh, it was upwards of three minutes. <laughs> he did like three days earlier. What a week! Here's his. Here's him looking at his schedule for the week. Hmm. Moonlighting monologue. <laughs> Something uh, for Some wine. Planet voiceover. And then heart attack. Heart. All right. Yep. Restaurant eating. <laughs> and I have, I've, mm. and then I'll be dead. <laughs> well, we so, just, yeah. I mean, we just, we just wow. talked about a week in the life of Orson Welles. That's crazy. New lighting monologue. Transformers voiceover. Mm-hmm. Death. <laughs> this There's... man won an, an, an Academy Award in 1941 for probably one of the best movies ever made. I think we can admit the qualifier probably. The best yeah, yeah. ever made. Yeah, totally. And I mean, just the voice. I mean, War of the Worlds is how I was introduced to Orson Welles. Yes. And of course, when I first heard that, I had still had no idea who he was. I knew he was connected to it. And I think I, there was some confusion in my head over Orson Welles and H.G. Wells. But, but mm-hmm. uh, like the way he interpreted that, I mean... His version of War of the Worlds is iconic aside from the story because he's not really doing the book. He's doing no. like this it's, take on it that is It's almost so like an amazing. Andy Kaufman-like yeah. performance art sort of thing. And as a side this, note on War of the Worlds, um, they have redone that in other countries and stuff. Like re-brought, not, not, not that broadcast, but recreated it. And every time people panic and kill things. And yeah. I'm like, stop doing this. It's never good. <laughs> it's scared to help. It scared the hell out of people. People shooting at water towers. 
I think there's a Radio Lab episode dedicated to that oh, exact really? topic. How that. War of the Worlds, mm. when adapted to other cultures and languages, affected them all the exact same way. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, guess what? Panic through the streets. Well, there's one final name, and we're we've got an hour long episode. I know, but this is there's good. one this final name uh, to touch on. Uh, who got final billing? I guess John Mashita, and uh, he got his, his credit is co-starring, co-starring. Really, John that, there was a qualifier. But he it? probably was I don't know. Another? He probably had more lines than uh, well, certainly Orson Welles, <laughs> mm. and cer- probably Eric Idle. But he was got a co-star credit. I don't know what that means, but of course we know John Mashita, FedEx commercials, Micro Machine commercials. It means it was paid. Hollywood less. Squares. Oh, Maybe so, yeah, maybe so. But yeah, I, uh, I know him from the, the micro machines. But here, I'll, we'll just I'm gonna play a real quick. This is a minute FedEx commercial. Okay, Eunice travel plans. I need to be in New York on Monday, LA on Tuesday, New York on Wednesday, LA on Thursday, New York on Friday. Got it. Got it. Got it. So you want to work here? What really makes you think you deserve a job here? Well, sir, I think on my feet I'm good at figures and I have a sharp mind. Excellent. Can you start on Monday? Yes, sir. Absolutely, without hesitation. Congratulations. Welcome aboard. There's a lot of them, but you get the idea. <laughs> That's all of them, I think, in a supercut. But uh, yeah, he became like he had a very specific skill. So he was the only actor, only credited actor, to continue uh, the role uh, after the movie. So he took over on the television show, and but he didn't, he, you know, he didn't really exactly know what he was getting to. Probably like most of the actors, he went on a press tour with Robert Stack. They were told by Sunbow to promote the film as a family-friendly film. So no, it on, was not. They would go on press tour, and so when they finally saw the film. Uh, they were shocked at <laughs> on-screen violence and, uh, and their involvement in promoting like this, because, yeah, this quote, family film. Like, imagine if these were people and these deaths happened to human beings. Like, right. they're horrific. No, that goes back to my, my comments on, like, one of the first couple of episodes that we did. Like, you couldn't have got away with this if they were killing human beings. No. They're killing robots. And that's also why I think the Lithonians, they decided to make... Not quite. It wasn't quite clear with the Lithonians if they are robot or not. Maybe they are. Maybe that is clear. Wait, but it's pretty clear. They, well, yeah, they haven't. They're constructed out of ninety degree angles. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, suppose you're right. But, and they glow. But, yeah, but yeah. So you, you're yeah. They're not going to kill off something that's you know. You know what's interesting, and this is another point of like uh, the original scripts. In a lot of the original scripts, Lithone is within sight of Cybertron, like it literally from the point where, <laughs> where yeah, and Earth. Like literally from the point where um, Lithone is destroyed, uh, it, it, it the next scene is Unicron turns and you can see Cybertron and its moons. And then uh, from Cybertron, and this is getting into the next couple episodes, but uh, there's a there's some dialogue, not dialogue, but there's some uh, 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 screen direction that says uh, whenever they launch the shuttle off of Cybertron, you see Earth. Like you can see, maybe it's just a pinpoint, but that literally means it's in the same solar system. Right, all of which this is, is insane. No, well, we so that maybe answer your question about are the Transformers and the Lithonians related? Yeah, perhaps. Another yeah. question is like we can we should not go off on this tangent. Sure, something to pose like which I never it never really occurred to me in the animated series like where is Cybertron in relation to the planet Earth? I always because of the intro of the show, I was like, oh, it's right next to Jupiter. You just always placed it somewhere yeah. in the solar system. In fact, I'm... <laughs> How did we never recognize it as a planet, then? Well, it's mm-hmm. not. I mean... What do you mean, scientifically? But, like, Cybertron, I once made a model of the solar system and put Cybertron in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, between... What? A little dork. I know. I wow. was... Well, not hey. popular. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
Which reminds me too of another thing, and I, I mean this this could fit into any episode. But uh, Aaron, you and I, like we've mentioned before, used to draw Transformers and trade Transformers drawings, mm-hmm. and it's kind of how our friendship started. But I thought of this story, which I have no memory of, because again, uh, my childhood is uh, real sketchy. But uh, Caleb, you tell the story about coming up to us when we're drawing at recess. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. I, yeah, so they used to draw outside of, against the backstop of the kickball, baseball, diamond. And like I was, I, I'm by no means a normal person. But, <laughs> but when I was at recess, I would do some fairly common activities, which is physical extra, physical activity. And these guys have brief, would bring briefcases outside and That's be right. drawing against the backstop. And I would come up to them, because I was friends with these guys, because um, I, I I was about to explain why, and I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing comes to mind. You don't have to justify yeah, it. <laughs> so anyway, I was friends with them, and uh, I would be like, hey, guys, want to, you know, go play tetherball or stand or stand up and move around? <laughs> and they just look at me like, uh, like, dismiss me. And The they, way they you told I don't think that's true. The looks on your faces, like, the, the, you were so... Dismissive? The, 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 and just disdainful that I would even <laughs> ponder the thought of asking you to like interact oh. at recess. Uh, just uh, you know, I the way you show the sticks in my mind is like we basically were like, "Ew, no, grosso, yeah. go away." Yeah, that was that's how I remember. No it. way. I think that you're putting a lot on us. Well, <laughs> I think with it, perhaps that was the impression you got. That was not intended, but sure. What a I'm great sure, memory. Sure what a great childhood memory. It's more fun to talk about it that way. Though. Sure. So where are we? I don't so we're, know. Where, we're, so, can we get an hour yet? So I, yeah, well, yeah. Uh, I mean, we were one minute away from hitting an hour. The, there so, was a lot up top. Well, so really, that so that brings us to a close of this episode with John Mashita at the end of the credits. Um, so yeah, this listener has been your episode four. So uh, we'll pick up right. Uh, there's a few additional credits in the next episode. We'll pick up on. Mm. And uh, ultimately make our way to uh, some Cybertronian moons. We're going to start to get into the meat of it. Oh, Finally. I was going to, I was thinking the other day, uh, I was trying to think, I haven't skipped ahead to this, but I'm like, do I remember the opening lines to the movie, uh, the Cybertronian moons? And I think I do. So I would like to see if I can, if I can get these we'll right. We'll see the next thing if I'm right, but I think. <clears throat> the test now? Yep. All right, let's see. Okay. <clears throat> It is the year 2005. The treacherous Decepticons have conquered the Autobots' homeworld of Cybertron. But from secret staging grounds on two of Cybertron's moons, the valiant Autobots plan to retake their homeworld. That's what I think it is. I hope it's way off. Oh, it's like, hey, there's the Autobots near me! I hope it's, I hope it's, go away! We're trying to draw here against the backstop! <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you for listening. Please uh, visit us at our website, theautopoddecepticast.com, through there. Uh, you can link through to our other various social networking endeavors, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that good stuff. And uh, we'll Thanks look for forward listening. to talking to you next time. Yep, see you Bye. later.